Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. It's the season every sports fan dreads, collective bargaining season. There hasn't been a work stoppage of any kind in Major League Baseball since before Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna Jr. were even born. But there's an owner's lockout coming on December 2nd, and that's not good for anyone, including the Colorado Rockies. One guy who's been down this path before, former White Sox and Dodgers general manager Dan Evans, will help me and Manny make some sense of what's coming in this week's edition of the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Back with our first pitch right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. I was watching a movie the other night called Thor, The Dark World, and it reminded me of the place we're at right now with baseball. It's the dark world. It's the dark time of the year. The World Series has just ended. Normally, you get excited about the hot stove. Manny's all depressed anytime the season ends, but this year, even worse, uh, with a lockout coming up here in less than a month. It looks like it's unavoidable at this point, but um, as I said in the open, it's been 25-plus years since there was a work stoppage at baseball. Manny, uh, it seems unavoidable right now, but um, I guess the question is, how long does it go? Yeah, that's the question. I mean, you know, I think we all uh, we, we've all been kind of uh, dreading this uh, this off season uh, over the last couple of years because we knew that this was on uh, on the horizon. But um, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. I mean, there, there are, we'll talk about it, but there are a couple of things where it's like, well, on one hand, um, you know, it's it's happened before. It's not obviously it's happened. It used to happen a lot more often, so it's been good that it it, it hasn't happened in. Uh, um, the last, you know, quarter century or so, but, um, then again, you know, on the other hand, uh, there's, it's the possibilities there. So we're, we do worry about it, but, you know, then again, uh, the uh, work stoppage, you know, it doesn't mean that there won't be uh, baseball on time. It's just a matter of, uh, what it really would, would affect is free agency and, yep. and all that yep. stuff. So before we get into how this will affect the Colorado Rockies, let's talk about the industry as a whole. And a guy who went through this from management side 
27 some years ago and probably several times leading up to that, as you mentioned, Manny. Dan Evans joins us, the former White Sox and Dodgers general manager. And Dan, it's been, as we said, since 1995 when they solved the last one, since there's been a work stoppage in baseball. The issues were a lot different back then, I think. You worked for a guy in Jerry Reinsdorf who was one of the leaders of the owners um, trying to force a salary cap down our throats and that kind of stuff. That didn't pan out. Things have changed. Things have morphed a lot over the last 27 years. Where are the issues right now? Well, first of all, thanks to both you and Manny for having me on. Mark, I was involved in the labor negotiations for about a 20-year period on a negotiating committee. So um, I probably have a pretty pretty vast and firm feel. Um, I think you have to remember, and I think the listeners have to remember, that it's a collectively bargained pact. So no matter what one side wants, both sides have to agree. Mm -hmm. And I think they both come to the table with a series of things. Um, There's egos involved anytime there's a negotiation involved. But for the last 27 years, 26 years, Mm -hmm. um, candidly, Mark, I think what the two sides have realized that it's in the best interest of the game to continue moving forward. If you remember back in either 01 or 02, um, there was the possibility of a labor stoppage in season. I believe it was in August and everybody was able to get together. But now we have a landscape that's different than mm-hmm. ever, ever before. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think the pandemic has, has changed so many things in our world, including the economic landscape of the game. So I think both sides are going to bring issues to the table. But Mark, for everybody that's listening, it's not like they don't speak until December 1st. These conversations are ongoing. I'd say 80, 85% of the agreement is a living document. And it's constantly emails, phone calls throughout the course of the agreement. But this one's a little different. And it's different because... There's been an earthquake in the baseball landscape, and it's the pandemic. And I think as a result, a lot of the issues that were already going to be issues now have have been adjusted accordingly. And as a result, I think there'll be very intriguing conversations. What was, um, uh, Dan, what was, what was the, can you break it down for the listeners as far as, you know, the the process the last time, Uh, just kind of an overview, a 30,000 foot view of how it began, how it got resolved. Um, I know that, you know, it, 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 you know, it was, there was, there was a legal battle there because, you know, what really what it, the current Supreme court justice Sotomayor was the, was the judge who had this and basically uh, just said, you guys get back to it and go just revert to the old agreement until you can find a new one. As far as I understand. So if you can take us through kind of that one, so that kind of set us up for understanding what we might be seeing, although we know it's going to be different, but what we might be seeing. That's a great question, Manny, and I'd preface it by saying for any of you who want some real good research, there's a book called The Lords of the Realm um, by John Hillier, and it's unbelievable. It's about 25 years old now, but it takes you through the labor history of Major League Baseball. The parties have changed since 94, 95, a, a great deal. And on both sides. And there's been a lot of ownership change, huge ownership change um, since then. 
and also the revenue flow is very different right. in the game. So I think the set of circumstances that they're talking about today are very different than the ones that prevented baseball from being played in, you know, from August of um, 94 all the way through May of 95. Um, and I think what we saw 25 years ago was a radical change in the game in terms of broadcast rights, in terms of cash flow, mm. in terms of arbitration risk reward, um, in terms of free agency, non-tendering. I think there's been some great advances in the work, uh, the workplace. And Mark, you've seen those yourself, yep. having yep. participated. You and I, um, you know, on either side of the aisle, we, we saw the work conditions change considerably. Mm -hmm. But Manny, what was going on 25 years ago is a series of owners who didn't have the leverage dollars that they do today and a series of players who didn't have as much money involved on an annual basis. The stakes have elevated. Um, the broadcast rights have elevated. There are changes in the drug agreement. There are changes in um, off the field things like domestic violence in terms of cheating on the field. And the other thing that's being discussed that really wasn't relevant when, when I was doing this in 94, 95, is there's on-field issues that are suddenly taking um, a high priority in the game. And we all know what they are and they're tossed and turned back and forth. But for your listeners, anything on the field game related has to be collectively bargained. And as a result, that adds a tier of discussions and circumstances that simply didn't exist 25 years ago. Dan, Dan let me interrupt real quick, because I, I did, as I said, I had a chance to listen to Tony Clark and ask him some questions back at the All-Star break here. He told me this. I asked that same question about on-the-field rule changes, and he looked at me and he said, no. He said, the owners can put in anything they want. They initially have to propose it, for, but if we say no, as we being the players union say no, they, they have to wait one year, then they can implement it. So things like uh, universal DH, which I think most everybody wants to see, um, don't necessarily have to be ratified in the CBA anymore. They, the owners can put them in if they want. The owners can put in, can move the mound back a foot if they want to. They can do all those things. In. And I'll tell you, from listening to Tony Clark, the players, and, and you mentioned the, the people on the aisles have changed sides. And, and I remember when I was doing this, Bud Selig, who you and I both know very well, I don't think anybody who knows Bud would, would argue this point. He's a, he was a fan first and a businessman second. He was a season ticket holder for the, Seattle, for the Milwaukee Braves. He helped bring the Seattle Pilots to Milwaukee. Bud's a baseball fan. And on the other side, and you know these guys, you had Gene Orza and Don Fear, lawyers all to the top, right? They're just all about mm -hmm. being lawyers. Well, now it's switched. Now you have the lawyers, Rob Manfred and his side are the lawyers, and you got a player on the other side of the negotiation table and the player wants to preserve the game. He wants to keep the, <laughs> the mound at 60 feet, six inches. He wants to keep um, competitive balance within the game. And so all those issues you're talking about are very true, but I think that who's negotiating, as you mentioned, who's negotiating is different now. It's, it's which side who's looking out for what is different now. Mark too. Remember that the owners are different too. Yeah. There's very few owners that existed from the 95 agreement 
Yep. And the ones that, that are new have huge, huge uh, debt to pay down. Yep. So yep. as a result, you know, I think you're going to hear some different stuff. But Mark, yep. you know, you talked about implementing. Nobody wants to get in a situation where you implement. What you want to do is collectively bargain it. You do. So both sides agree upon it. Because when that occurs, you have support on both sides. And I think right. that is attainable. I mean, I've been in the room on these negotiations and, you know, like in anything, even if you're, you're negotiating a house, you know, you're negotiating a car, you know, it's people dig in and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. But there's a point where the best interests of the game, yep. the game that employs everybody on either side of the table yep. come into play. And here's my take on it guys. And it's, it's pretty crystal clear for me in November of 2021, we, we are in an environment where everybody has been adversely affected by the pandemic. Um, economically, psychologically, spiritually, just in a situation unlike we could have ever envisioned two years ago. I don't think the landscape of the general public is such that they would be very tolerant <laughs> about a lack of yeah. baseball. And that goes on both sides. Yeah. That's something that both sides have to contemplate because there's a sympathy side when you're doing this. You're always trying to spin. You know, it's happening right now with John Deere in Iowa. It's going on where there's, you know, there's always posturing. But when the posturing gets into the public domain, it's generally something you want to win the war. Nobody's going to win the, uh, the spin debate during a pandemic it's we're all tired of being compromised and baseball's a release baseball's entertainment and that's the challenge that everybody has because if they don't have an agreement in december sure it's going to complicate things a little bit but it's when the games start being mm -hmm. played in spring training and in late march that's when it would adversely yep. affect the public yep. and i think in the game's best interest we need to get to that point with baseball yeah, I can tell you this this thing. Um, the players did not want the three batter minimum. Mm -hmm. Didn't like the idea, so they're living with it. But I, I, that could happen to some other, in some other situations too. If we're not, uh, but you're right. It would be so much better if everyone could just agree on on those types of things. What's best for the game? Because that's what's what matters the most anyway. Um, let's let's shift gears a little bit and get to. Uh, the rock the rockies specifically not i mean obviously this as you said this is going to affect free agency uh, as i pointed out in something i wrote players aren't going to be able to work out their spring training facilities there's a lot of little annoyances that go on with this but the big thing is is the business of baseball and there is no going to be no business there'll be no winter meetings for you to go hang out at because i know you like to go hang out at the winter meetings there'll be no who wouldn't um but Free agency is the big thing, with, especially when you talk about the Colorado Rockies. Two guys are, are big free agents, John Gray and, and Trevor Story. Um, Manny and I discussed this lots of times about Trevor Story's situation. This is a bad time to be a free agent, isn't it? I mean, you got a, short, a small window and who knows what's going to get done before December 1st. Then you could be in free agent limbo for several months, which is not a fun place to be. I'm going to preface it by saying I don't want to put the cart before the horse yet because we could get an agreement done. We could get an agreement done early enough to have pretty much a full offseason. Um, you're already seeing moves, Wade Miley. You're already seeing Tucker Barnhart. You're seeing moves that are going on now 
clubs anticipating a potential mm -hmm. work stoppage, but also, you know, there's 29 clubs who didn't finish the season the way they wanted. Right. And let's point at the Rockies. The Rockies are one of the worst teams in baseball, have been for three years in a row, have a farm system that's in the bottom five, where they blundered. I mean, the only word for me to use is blundered at the deadline. They overstated uh, the value of their players, were inept in terms of making deals. And now they're in a tough spot because now they get nothing for John Gray. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Zero. Instead of trading for him, they're overstating his value. And, you know, people are talking about an $18 million qualifying offer. John Gray's a four-starter, fifth-starter on a right. good club. Right. Just because he's a, he's a fairly relevant starter on the Rockies, I mean, I can't help but remember what he did those last two months. He no. was awful. He was there awful. are clubs that are hope, are, were hopeful of trading for him that are grateful now they didn't because of how he pitched. Mm. What the Rockies did in July is set themselves up for a horrific 22. Yeah. They didn't get anything for Story. The only return they would get for Story is in 24 or 25 when a player surfaces. So here's the thing. If then, if then, if then. Well, and you know what? Maybe never, Manny, because yeah, they exactly. haven't hit them. They haven't hit the mother load in their minor league system. So to count on a draft pick, if you're a Rockies fan, that's a bad move. That's a bad especially call. when you could have had something for Story, right? I mean, honestly, this this goes all the way back and to gray. last offseason. And great, no, but I mean, go, it goes back to last offseason. Uh, you know, Story obviously had a, a a year a down year by his standards. But if they had traded him last offseason, right after Arnado, for me, after Arnado left, I, I just thought you, know, you got to you got to tear it down now. You you, you look you got to you got to trade for trade some uh, for a story, got trade story, get something a known quantity back because at least you have somebody in that you're going to have close either in the upper levels of the minors or close to major league ready yeah. that you have a, that they're a known quantity. Whereas with a draft pick. I mean, like you said, it's like it, it, it's a, you're going to see them three, four years down the road if maybe. that, if they actually make it. And so uh, that's where I think that the 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 turning point was on story. If, yeah. And they when he held on to him through opening day, and then he had a bad year, and then basically by the time the deadline came around, they're like, "Well, we didn't we 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 didn't get uh, offers that we thought were were mm -hmm. good enough." Well, it's because you should have traded him in the off season. You put yourself in that position. So. And Manny, one thing that people don't realize is if the, if the bulk of his signing doesn't attain a certain number, they don't even get that draft pick as right. a result. Right. They've got to attain a certain level. 50 so, million, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just me who's questioning their strategy. <laughs> it's everybody. Through, everybody. People throughout the game, people who are, who are embedded in the game that do this for a living, that aren't fans, that you know, go through the strategy on a day-to-day -day basis, we are all perplexed because it's unlike any environment in the game. And here's the problem. They're bad. And they're real bad in their farm system. And the same people who have been, who put them in the spot of being bad are still in place. Yeah. So, so if you're looking at trying to improve in 22, I actually think people don't recognize how much worse they could possibly yeah. be because they didn't make the deals that were appropriate back in June and July. And like Manny says, back before the season even started. So now 
they have what they wanted because this mm. is their plan. And when you set your own table, I have zero sympathy as a person who's operated a team. You got to be proactive and strategic. I cannot identify their strategy. It's unlike any in the game, and they don't have a proven track record of being right. So, you know, yeah. for me, for me, the microscope's on them, and deservedly so, because they're doing something that no one in the game would condone in their own environment. Hey, hey Dan, I've been... The other thing, too... Well, go ahead, Manny. Mark. I was going to say, Dan, I, Manny and I have talked about this a couple of times prior and gone back and forth with everybody on Twitter about it. I think if I'm Trevor Story's agent, I'm saying, you know, we, that qualifying offer is probably a pretty good idea. Given the fact that you've got this um, lockout impending, given the fact that there, there's so many shortstop free agent shortstops out there, given the fact you're coming off a bad season and he wasn't even healthy at the end of the year. Take the QO for one year, put up the good numbers, and set yourself up for a better, off, better free agent season. Maybe you get traded at the deadline next year, or maybe you set yourself up for a better season next year but you've got some certain certainty going through this lockout. I, to me, I think that that would be the smart move for him. Unless and I'll, I'll, I'll put a caveat here, unless a team like the Astros comes calling before December and says, you know, we lost Carlos Correa. And so, I mean, that's a no brainer. You jump all over that opportunity if you get it, but I'm not so sure, as you mentioned, the $50 million threshold, is he going to get a big right going into this lockout with the uncertainty involved in the collective bargaining agreement? Is he guaranteed to get a big fat contract offer from somebody out there? Well, nobody is. Yeah. But Mark, I disagree with you, and here's my reasoning. Okay. I think playing for a bad club is never good for a player's well-being in the peak of his career. I think if a bad deal for Trevor Story would be better in a different venue, he has no chance of winning in 22 or 23. None. Zero. But he can put up good numbers at Coors Field. Yeah, but if I were him, I'd get out of the environment. I mean, as an agent, when I was an agent during my time, I always, I always told players that the same thing in different places can be decidedly different. So for me, he'll have value. He's a good player. Teams know he wasn't at 100%. How that played into his performance, nobody really knows. But he clearly wasn't the same Trevor Story that I think is one of the three or four best shortstops in the game. There's Correa. And then there's everybody else. I think there's going to be a lot of play on story. And I think the teams like him. He'll get his money. I don't know that he'll get the magnitude he would have a year ago because there's a lot of things that factor into yep, that. Exactly. And, and Mark, as a player, you know, it's all supply and demand. Yeah. And there are 30 different entities in the game trying to figure out how to get better. You know, story story's a better option than most shortstops. But it might be a short-term deal. And if it's a short-term deal that's similar to the qualifying offer for me, that's I would thing. strongly advise him to get the heck out of Denver, go play for a good club, be seen in a winning environment where your value automatically surges upward. Two but, things. One, uh, ahead, one man. is that Mar- you look at Marcus Semyon and what he did last year. Yep. He took a one-year deal, pillow contract, bet on himself. It doesn't always work out, but the guy set a record for home runs by a second baseman. He just won a gold glove and he's going to get paid. Yep. And so the thing is, is that if Trevor Story, you know, Trevor Story, he's worth more than $18 million a year. But so basically if he gets a, if he he gets a one-year deal, 
Like you look what the Dodgers did, you know, the Bauer thing went just off the rails, but look what the Dodgers did with Bauer where they did it like a, a one year, then options and options. Right. But so if you do a one year deal, just straight one year deal with story for $22 million or something uh, to, to, to get him somewhere. So, so he can get out of Denver, mm-hmm. get him somewhere else. And uh, if he does what he does, if he does something similar to what Marcus Simeon did, and he's, that's the thing, he is capable of that because uh, uh, people don't realize how good Trevor Story is. I think that because he's played in Denver, uh, because of the course field thing, you know, it's like when like when Arnado went to, to to St. Louis, like oh this guy can hit. Well, yeah, yeah, he can hit. I mean, it's just we we know that here, out in you know in the rest of the country they don't know that. Well, Trevor Story is a better player than Nolan Arenado all around right now. He can run. He, he, he's one of the fastest players in the game. Uh, he is one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, and he can hit. And so once he doesn't have to deal, again, we'll, just like with Arenado, once he doesn't have to deal with coming down from Coors Field and dealing with breaking balls for the first time in, in a week and then deal, dealing with all altitude issue, he's just going to be better. So I think you're right, Dan. I think people, I think teams understand that this is a really good player that had a bad year and also had this whole cloud hanging over the whole season because of what happened with Arenado and, you know, that story was basically, you know, halfway out the door, you know, when uh, at the, at the trade deadline, he was, he was ready. Remember he he took himself out of the game. Mentally ready, which is a big deal for a player. And that shows you the blunder by the Rockies front office of how they handled it. For me, if I'm Trevor story, I'd rather be a good player on a great team than a good player on a really bad team that has no chance to win in 22. I it mean, takes none. its toll on you, right? Like, I mean, like it took its toll. I mean, this guy, he had to sit out that day, uh, you know, of the deadline because he just was so ready to be gone, you know, because that was where his mind was, like you said. And if that's weighing down on you, you got the elbow thing. Yeah. But if that's weighing down on you too, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 it's not, you know, correlation is not causation. We know that it's not necessarily related, but you can't help but think Arnaud has a bad year in his walk year because the Rockies are terrible and, and all of this stuff going on story has a bad year in his walk year for him, for his standards. It's like the Rockies are a, an albatross to these guys. <laughs> it's like, it's weighing them down as they're trying to get out. And I said, I was happy. I tell people I was happy for Arenado. He got out of here and next story's next. He's going to get out of here. Whether he t- even takes the qualifying offer or not, he's not long for the Rockies. He's gone. Um, most, most players in their free agent year don't perform to expectations because of the anxiety mm-hmm. and because of the self-induced pressure that they have. It's mm-hmm. their, it's their one big bite of the apple in their career. The thing right. they've been waiting for, you know, like 30% of players get to free agency. That's it. So if yeah. you're, you know, if you have to wait till that free agent year, it's awful hard to perform. We all know he wasn't at hundred percent. The metrics indicate that his velo is down about four or five miles an hour on his yeah. throws. Yeah. But see, as a free agent, you can ask for that information. You can ask for a physical. So this is a guy who will be able to prove his health to the other clubs. I think we're going to look back and we're going to see how huge a blunder this was because there's no way he's coming back. I think he severed his ties mentally before the deadline. He's not coming back and they're not going to get anything for him of any magnitude. And that's a bad poker. And, play. and you, you know, Dan, as you said, if he, if he takes, if he takes that offer, you mentioned 22 million for one year, 
the Rockies get nothing, right? Rocky, even if there's some some extra years options well, tacked on, they'll get they'll get, get they'll get they'll get a draft pick, but it will be after round compensation right. round right. B. It won't be it won't be a high pick, right? Like right. it would be if you got over fifty million. Yeah. So, so yeah, this... let's let's talk about where the Rockies' success had been in the draft. It certainly hasn't been at that point of the draft, so they can't point. Mm-hmm. To, right. uh, to great success in that area. Well, I mean, the bottom line is when you say, let's rewind it two years. Let's say you're saying the Rockies are going to have to trade Trevor Story by the time uh, by the time this uh, this 2021-22 area, uh, area of time comes into play. They're not going to trade him. They're going to hold on to him. You have Trevor Story and John Gray, and all you're going to get out of them is a draft pick in compensation round B Yeah, that's... for those two guys. Dan, let's talk. Yeah, Dan, let's talk. Let's talk about John Gray. Talk about John Gray a little bit. A little different situation. Rockies did not extend him a qualifying offer, and I think that's the right move. He's not worth eighteen. He hasn't pitched up to an eighteen million dollar a year contract. Uh, You shouldn't have John Gray be the number, the highest paid member of your starting rotation. So the Rockies made the right move there. Do you think they're still making some efforts to sign him, or uh, is he just walking? I mean, he says he wants to be here, Manny. I don't. You know, he turned down their initial offer. Maybe they lowballed. Well, 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 let me say this uh, for Dan chimes in. Uh, they messed that one up at the deadline too, because yeah. John Gray, John Gray was pitching. You know, he was solid. He wasn't right. bad before the before the deadline, and everything fell fell apart after that for him. He had like a seven ERA the rest of the way in the second half, and if if they 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 basically their 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 uh, rationale, the Rockies' rationale was, well, he wants to stay. We're going to get him signed. It hasn't happened. No. They didn't sign him. They didn't extend him. They so tried. The bottom, the bottom line is, yeah, they tried and it didn't Did work. Did they right? try? Well, well, they, they, well they, they offered him forty million, like ten million, ten million AAV. It's like you know, I mean, he's not going to, he's going to take his chances on the open market for that. But the bottom line is, is that they at the deadline could have gotten something for him. They miscalculated on their ability to sign him to a long term deal, and the guy wants to stay here. You know, and they still weren't able to do that. So the bottom line is that they could have gotten something for him. Now they may get nothing for him. I think it's better for both sides that John Gray goes elsewhere. I do too. I absolutely agree. I mean, if there's, if there's, if there's, if he's going to have success, it's not going to be here. The change of scenery would do him good. And Dan, you mentioned that earlier. Sometimes a change of scenery does a player good. Yeah. I think the Rockies in this case still view him as the, as the early pick in the first round. He never realized their expectations and I don't think he can. I don't think he has the skill set to be that guy. You know, his his uh, pitching metrics don't indicate that capability in any way. He's a mediocre spin rate guy um, with mediocre supplemental stuff. So I think part of the problem here is they have this image of taking this guy in the first 10 picks of the draft and expectations that were never realized because they, they missed on this guy. He's not that guy. So they've got a fourth starter that they overvalued, according to everything I've heard from friends of mine in the game, overvalued at the deadline by a long degree, and then couldn't get it done. And I think part of the problem here, guys, I'm going to call them out. When you tell the general public you're trying to sign a guy, we're working on sign a guy, it better be sincere and it better be transparent. Because if it comes back that their desire to sign him wasn't what they portrayed it as, that lives on 
with other players. Yep. So Absolutely. here's a guy who has a limited market. He's a limited starter, not a big fan of his. For me, he's just another guy, very replaceable. But the problem for the Rockies, they don't have anybody to replace them with. <laughs> That's right. And that gives him more value for the Rockies than he really should have. I mean, he's, a, he's an absolute mediocre pitcher. And a mediocre pitcher in today's market doesn't make $18 million right. a year. Right. So a good play, but a blunder earlier in the year, which is compounded now, he walks, you'll get nothing for him. And anytime you get nothing for a player, guys, that's a fail on behalf of the baseball operations. And, and this stuff is basic stuff, right? I mean, this yeah. is not, this is not, uh, this is, this is arithmetic. This is not, a, this is not calculus. I mean, honestly, the fact that Dan has to say that, and you do rightfully so that you have to say this about a team that they, that they, if they, if you don't get something from it, if you don't get something back, that's a terrible move. The fact that that's how to be said tells you everything you need to know about where the Rockies are. And it's, it's just, and, and the point you made about good play now, but you shouldn't have had to have been in that place in the first place to have to make that play. That is the, the story of the Rockies. Yeah, it's like, really. we didn't get a good deal for, for, we didn't have any, anything worth uh, listening to on, uh, on Trevor's story at the deadline. Well, that's your fault. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's because you let it get to that point. If you traded him last off season, this dude is a future MVP candidate. You know, he still is, but they, but that's what they had in their, and, and they had it in their hands. Man, the only way a trade doesn't happen with one of your players is if you don't trade it. Because yeah. there's always value and there's always the market. But if you can't cultivate a market to make a deal, that's on you. And at the yep. deadline, everybody knows in spring training who's going to be available. And when you're as rotten as they were the first two months of the season, Everybody knows you're not going to contend for a postseason spot. So they're watching you from April forward. It's not like there was a shock. Hey, we'll move this guy. We'll move that guy. The shock I heard from other clubs is the way they went about things at the deadline and how inept and unprepared they were to make quality trades. Hey guys, before we wrap this up, we got to wrap it up here in the next couple of minutes. Dan, um, you're, you're, you're giving us an optimistic tone about um, about the possibility of this thing being a short lockout. But do you see the, the, the new agreement changing the free agent marketplace at all to affect these guys? Will there be changes to the arbitration rules? Will there be changes to free agent rules, compensation rules? Is Are some clubs going to wait until after that's settled before they sign a free agent? You know, Mark, one of the things when you're in that room and involved in those negotiations, there is a constant give and take. And I don't mean to be cliche on that, but it really is. You position your asks and your wants. And uh, part of the issue is you've got to decide what's important for you and what you'll negotiate. So I think there could be changes in the agreement in terms of service time. Um, I'm hoping there's bigger picture things like the tanking issue in the game, which I think is despicable. And I think it's bad for the sport, especially when some of these teams seem to master the tanking, but not getting better. And I don't think that's that's good for the sport. I can tell you right now, that's that's Tony Clark's number one issue. I I think that, and some people are calling for a floor in spending, because if you're involved in um, revenue sharing, some of that money in some people's minds 
has to go back into your yeah. ball club. Yep. But I do, I am optimistic and I'm optimistic, Mark, because they're good people on both sides. And as a result, they know what's at stake and they know the risk reward is great. And they also know that the game's in a good place financially. And keep in mind, you've got to keep this in mind. As the stakes have elevated for the players and the club people, with that comes an aversion to go deep into a, a labor stoppage because right. they both have too much to lose. He's Dan Evans, former general manager of the White Sox and the Dodgers. Dan, we always appreciate it. We'll have you back on again as we keep – this is obviously an unfolding story. It's not going away anytime soon. We'll have you on again. We appreciate it. Enjoy the Thanks, field Dan. of dreams. we got to talk about the field of dreams, too, one of these times. Uh, in a cheerier well, place. actually, let's let's mention that we, because – We can uh, only do a quick – we're running out of time, but yeah. Real quick one because that was one of the one of the great moments of the season. I mean, if you, if you look back on this maybe season – Maybe the greatest. The, Maybe the greatest, especially maybe. the way it turned out with yeah, Anderson exactly. walking it off like he did. So yep. that was so cool. And Dan was such a huge part of that. We're going to, at some point, I feel like we're going to do like a, an entire podcast Absolutely. on just that and the future I of that. So, I'd love thanks, to. Danny. I just took over a job as the chief operating officer of the Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. And it's just an absolutely glorious position. I'm having lots of fun. That'll be, our, awesome. next, that'll be our next happier topic, Dan. Thanks. Appreciate it. You got it, thanks, you got it guys. Have we'll a be good back. day. We'll be Is back it? to wrap it up with Manny's closer right after this. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. John Gray, we talked about him a lot this, uh, this podcast, and for good reason. The Rockies did not extend a qualifying offer of $18.4 million to him. Uh, and uh, though that was uh, probably the right move, the Rockies should never have had to have been in that position in the first place. Uh, they could have gotten something for Gray before the break. Obviously, they weren't going to be contending. We know where the Rockies were, and they uh, failed to do that. And then he had a, an ERA above about, about seven over his last nine starts. Uh, the question uh, arises, would the Rockies even be better off with Gray back in the fold, or would it be better for him to actually uh, move on? I think it would be better for both sides if he moves on. I think if John Gray needs uh, – if he's going to succeed at all, I think he needs to be out of Denver. I think there's just been too much here. They've tried to tinker and coax whatever they could get out of that uh, that potential that he had. He never met that potential. I remember talking to Buddy Black about that. He said he, he's he been a solid starter compared with uh, his contemporaries. But solid is not what they were, were expecting when they chose him uh, way back in the in the first round uh, as, as one of their – as really their future ace. Ace was thrown around so often uh, for John Gray. That never materialized here. It may not ever materialize for him, but it certainly – doesn't seem as though it's going to happen here. John Gray belongs in another uniform, and it's uh, uh, it's going to be good for him. And I think if you look back, given how the Rockies handled everything, even as poorly as they did, it's probably better for the Rockies if John Gray is elsewhere in 2021. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, the, the, the big question now becomes uh, what kind of a deal will he get? What kind of a deal will Trevor Story get? A lot will depend on how the CBA plays out. Uh, CBA negotiations play out plays out uh and we know that uh with uh with all the things that are up in the air that's uh, certainly not uh, set in stone in in any way so 
John Gray should be gone. Trevor Story, uh, you know what? He might be able to get a pillow contract elsewhere. I still expect him to be gone. I think the Rockies will be without them in 2022. And I think the Astros end up with Trevor Story because Correa leaves and Trevor Story is from Texas. It just makes too much sense. That would be a great move for Trevor Story. If he could go to the Houston Astros, I more power to him. Uh, we'll see, but you're right. The CBA is going to be uh, a difficult thing to, to navigate at this point. Manny, thanks very much. Good job as always. It was great talking to Dan Evans. We'll uh, we'll talk again next week. We'll have another topic. Good. Get the Hall yes, of Fame sir. ballots coming out. Your favorite oh, thing. Oh wow! The Hall of yeah, Fame yeah, ballots yeah. coming out. We're Actually, I, 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 there are a few there are a few things to talk about there. Yeah, there certainly are. Sure. So we'll we'll save that for next week. There he goes, Manny Randall. This is the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Be with us again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.